Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. And right out of the gate, we've got some breaking news going on. Has not hit uh, the wires yet, but we are seeing it spread all over social media. About to have a quick write-up of it over at Red State, probably in the next commercial break. So be going to redstate.com to check it out there. I know the Hayride's working on it there. But the Supreme Court has blocked Judge Shelley Dick's order demanding a newly drawn congressional map for the state of Louisiana in a uh, in a quick uh, ruling dropped by uh, written by Samuel Alito uh the Supreme Court is uh saying that the application for a stay against Dick's order will be granted that means that her demands that there be a new map and in fact her uh, that those demands for a new map are uh, are blocked, and in fact, it's a moot point if she decides to release redrawn maps that she favors, which would give the state of Louisiana a second majority minority district. Uh, so, the state of Louisiana, the congressional maps passed by the legislature, vetoed, and then the veto overridden by the legislature, will be allowed to stand at least through the 2022 midterms, according to the Supreme Court's order. This is a big win, but it's important for you to know that everyone in the state expected that this would end up this particular way. Everyone, Democrats, Republicans, they all knew that they could, they could shop it around to a favorable judge, one appointed by Barack Obama and Shelley Dick, but they knew that once it gets to the Fifth Circuit or once it gets to the Supreme Court, it's over. And in fact, that's what a lot of Republicans in the state were actually banking on, that whatever activist judge you found at the at the lower court level would eventually be overturned. Again, the argument from the proponents of a redrawn map, they say that one third of the state's uh, voters are African-American. Therefore, one third of the state's congressional districts uh, needed to be majority minority. It appears that the Supreme Court has... It, the Supreme Court has blocked the order pending their ruling on uh, on uh, the on other election on other congressional map rulings. There's a, a big case uh, that we're looking at in the Supreme Court. So the Louisiana order isn't an outright rejection, but it is saying we're going to put this order on hold while we decide this bigger case. But that means that the current map passed by the legislature and, uh, and the veto overridden by the legislature will stand. John Bill Edwards, the NAACP, uh, Louisiana Democrats have suffered a defeat on this one. And it looks like we will have the maps. Uh, things will be relatively status quo. Uh, again, largely expected by just about every person who was watching this in uh in the courts, watching this battle going on. Uh, so once again, Supreme Court blocks lower court order requiring redistricting in Louisiana to add another majority-minority congressional seat. It's important to know that all three progressive justices, Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan, uh, dissent. In particular, uh, just to read kind of the, the, the clip here, the application for stay presented to Justice Alito and by him referred to the court is granted. The district's court, uh, the district court's June 6, uh, 2022 preliminary injunctions are stayed. In addition, the application for stay is treated as a petition 
for a writ of certiorari before judgment and the petition is granted. The case is held in abeyance pending this court's decision in Merrill, Alabama, Secretary of State at all versus Milligan Evan at all. Or, fur- or pending further order of the court. No stay shall, uh, the stay shall terminate upon the sending down of the judgment of the court. So the, the issue is not firmly settled, but there is a stay on it right now while the court considers this bigger case. Justice Breyer, Justice Sotomayor, and Justice Kagan would deny the application for stay and dissent from the treatment of the application as a petition for writ of certiorari before judgment and the granting of certiorari before judgment. And in the studio with us, he said he was just going to listen and then pop out, but I'm going to ask that he jump on the mic with us. Moon Griffon's in here. Moon. You, Joe, you got me all excited. <laughs> well, it's an exciting ruling. Good to be here. It's, it's great. First of all, I like having breaking news right before the show because it throws my script entirely out the window. Well, you know what, Joe? That's probably your best shows. If you've been in it a while and you have, you're going to know it's probably your best shows. No, but it's, it's exciting. I agree with you. It looked like reason would take over, law would take over. You know, think about it. We had a judge who said, I'm drawing a second minority district. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely 100% no way to do it unless you gerrymander. Yeah. Now, she's a federal judge. If you look at the Constitution, if you look at the civil rights, if you look at how you got to draw districts, mm-hmm. and I think you've explained this to your audience too, race can be a part of it, yeah. a part, like a part. Yeah. This became all race. And even the judge herself said, no, you draw, you're drawing a Second minority, majority minority district. So in other words, you're using race. Yeah. And so, you know, Alito, I think, is the one that, that put the, yeah. the hamper. And I knew when it, what ha- let me just tell you this, and you may already know this. When Alito first looked at this, he said, look, I'm not touching it. Mm-hmm. Y'all let the Fifth Circuit do it. And the Fifth Circuit did the right thing the first time, but not the right thing the second time. Yeah. So now the judge says, I'm going to get to do what I want to do. Yeah. And Alito came back after watching what happened. And you know yourself, they're all being communicated yeah. with and said, hold up just a second, we're going to take a second look at that. I heard that last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say uh, Solicitor General uh, Liz Murrow said, no, Alito's going to now look at the case. In other words, he ain't letting it just happen. Yeah. When I, when I saw that, I agree 100% with you. I said, well, if Alito gets involved, Justice Alito, he's going to do what's right constitutionally. Mm-hmm. And if it would have meant that we needed to have, and I say the same thing, and I think you will too, Joe, if the if the way the last ten years would have gone, and you would have had a minority population in an area mm-hmm. that had what is it seven hundred thousand? Yeah. Okay. And it was in an area that didn't have to be gerrymandered. I'd be the first to tell you that should be a second majority majority Absolutely. minority. Would not even argue because that would be what the Constitution says. Yeah. That is not. They cannot even come close to getting that district. In my opinion, mm-hmm. not even close. I'm not saying look in ten years. Who knows? The, the, the whole argument here is on the Voting Rights Act. Voting Rights right. Act demands equal representation, but the Voting Rights Act also says you cannot draw a congressional line, you cannot draw any district line solely to favor or exclude a particular race. And that's exactly what a second minority majority, uh, majority minority district would be in this case. You have to draw a map, a line specifically in favor of one race over another. Can I ask you a question? Could you mention earlier that if the judge comes out with a map, it's moot. Yeah. At this point, she really shouldn't. Mm. But now I hope she does. And in a way, I got to think of what I was sitting up at a list. I said, well, maybe I hope she does now. Because I want to see what she was going to try to put together that wasn't going to be gerrymandering. Yeah. And if she does, it really will make her look bad, I think. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the judge. She could sit right here. She might be the nicest person in the world. But I, I would like to see it now because I wanted to see her put this together without gerrymandering. If she does, I think she's going to be embarrassed because – 
if it gets out there, you know, the experts and people that know a little bit about this are going to talk about it. Yeah. And this is it's, this is gigantic news for us, even though I agree with you. This is what should have happened. Mm-hmm. And now what's going to happen, they're going to have the ruling in Alabama. So let's go back to Cleo Fields. Were you born? It's 1990. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm I was young. I was I'm young. I'm with Joe. But I was young. Mark's but... over there going, God, I'm the oldest one in here. Uh, Cleo Fields, they drew the district, mm-hmm. and the courts approved it. They gerrymandered that puppy worse than the one that they showed. They went from Baton Rouge up above Monroe all the way to Caddo, okay? And so Cleo got to run in that district because they approved it. Well, I know y'all heard my man Paul Heard. Paul Heard and them challenged it in court, and they won easily. So, But Cleo got to be the congressman for, two, for one term, for two years, one term. And then they had to redraw the district again, and guess what? Cleo was out. So what's going to happen now, tell me if I'm wrong, the district stays, the one that they, they drew stays. Mm-hmm. We're going to have elections, okay? If for some reason the Supreme Court would rule against Alabama, which makes, basically would probably rule against us, then in two years we're going to have to redraw them again. Am I wrong by saying that? Because that's what they did. At least Cleo lost the thing. But in this case, they would have to come back and say, no, you got to have a second yeah. majority district. But the 33%, it was really like 31.8, number one. Mm-hmm. And then number two – I'll say it again. Mark, you sitting there, you feel the same way I know. If it showed that majority-minority district can show it without gerrymandering, I have, you know, compact, compact district, I'd be the first to fight with the NAACP and everybody else to get the district because mm-hmm. that would be the right thing to do. Yeah. What the judge was going to do was absolutely 100% the wrong thing. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. 232-1542 if you want to call in and react. Moon, thank you very much for being here. We brought the news, Joe. I got to give you all the credit tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. All right. 232-1542 if you want to join in. When we come back, we've got some more news to go over. A lot of stuff happening today. It kind of threw my entire script out the window, but we will discuss it all here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. The breaking news Again, the Supreme Court has issued a stay in Louisiana federal judge Shelley Dix ruling that Louisiana must redraw its congressional maps, meaning the maps that were passed, vetoed and veto overridden will now be the maps at least through the midterm elections, which is a big loss for uh, Democrats who were really hoping for a second Democratic congressional district to vote for in the fall, trying to bolster their numbers in Congress, which is really the point. Uh, You have one law firm, uh, the Elias uh, Law Firm, which is run by uh, a progressive uh, lawyer and activist, Mark Elias. He's uh, at the forefront of all of these legal challenges across the country to congressional maps, trying to force uh, racially gerrymandered districts in favor of the Democratic Party. Uh, They're trying to get more congressional seats for Democrats ahead of the midterms, trying to bolster their their numbers in the House after a midterm that is expected to absolutely just blow the Democrats out of the water. Now, this is just the latest headline and a big day of headlines. I really don't like talking about the January 6th committee, but we do need to talk a little bit about it. You've heard the clips in the news reports here on KPEL throughout the day. Uh, the real big thing here right now is the very first thing you need to know 
is that the person who was uh, who was presented by the January 6th committee today, uh, Cassidy Hutchinson, worked for Mark Meadows in the Trump administration. The testimony that was given, legally speaking, is hearsay. I know that anybody who is hoping that something incriminating enough to become uh, a, a cudgel against Donald Trump will not like me saying that. And the media is treating this as this big, explosive, uh, breaking testimony today. It was a surprise testimony uh, that was presented. There wasn't supposed to be a public hearing today. The next one wasn't supposed to be until July. But they put this one out there because they had this testimony to drop and to present. It's interesting to me that immediately after this came out, that's the, the media has turned and fled from the Dobbs case. The media is now no longer talking about the overturning of Roe versus Wade. That's a big problem for the media and for the Democrats. The Democrats are now focusing entirely on this as well. They don't have the attention span to focus on more than one issue at once. They don't. And this is going to be a, uh, a continuing running problem for the Democrats. They're going to get their dander up about Roe versus Wade for uh, several days. And then they have this hearing. And so now they're going to focus on that for a couple of days. And once again, Trump should be arrested. The Republicans are like Trump. They're, they're extreme. They're trying to overthrow the country. And then they'll go back to something else. Well, I say today's testimony. Tomorrow is actually a bigger Supreme Court day, I think, than even the Dobbs case. West Virginia versus the Environmental Protection Agency is expected to drop tomorrow. It will have possibly the biggest impact on all of our lives, much bigger than the Dobbs case. The Dobbs, remember, the Dobbs case prevents... Uh, anyone from claiming that there is a U.S. constitutional right to an abortion it returns the issue of abortion to the states. It doesn't directly impact a whole lot of people. Abortions, although the left wants there to be abortion, you know, hands them out like party favors. Abortion is still fairly rare. It's still horrible, but it's still fairly rare, fairly uncommon. But West Virginia versus the Environmental Protection Agency, that opinion dropping tomorrow is going to be a huge deal. Let me explain it as best I can, because it is it's kind of complicated. And I'm not just I'm not saying that you guys because you guys are a smart audience. I'm not saying that that y'all aren't going to be able to understand it, but it is a fairly complex issue. But it comes down to this. West Virginia versus the EPA asks who is the legislative branch, basically. Who is the legislative branch? Because the current understanding is based on what we call the Chevron decision. Now, the Chevron decision states that if Congress writes a law and it is vague. They write a law. They write a law dealing with 
a bureaucratic ruler or, or uh, some particular issue that falls under a bureaucracy's rule, uh, uh, bureaucracy's jurisdiction. If they write a vague law, the courts have to defer to that bureaucratic body and their interpretation of that law. But regulations from a bureaucracy are legislative. They are lawmaking. Therefore, it's bad judicial. Uh, it's, it's a bad judicial ruling, the Chevron case was. And it's, it's been in place for 30, maybe 40 years. The Chevron case defers to a bureaucracy for legislative matters, which is in violation of the Constitution. Legislation, legislative acts, which includes laws, which is what a regulation is, falls under the legislative branch. And the Supreme Court, particularly this Supreme Court, the Supreme Court interprets a bureaucratic body as part of the executive branch. Every member of the Supreme Court has blasted the Chevron decision as being a bad decision. And every one of them has looked for an alternative and has said, we need an alternative. We're going to take our bottom of the hour news break. When we come back a little more on that, why it's so important and the other headlines of the day, 232-1542, your calls as well. Let's take this break and we'll be right back here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to call in, we will take calls in a minute, but I want to finish breaking down why the Chevron decision is so important. The Chevron case, or the Chevron case law that we have, it's been upheld by the Supreme Court numerous times. But, because there is no better alternative. Antonin Scalia wrote in numerous rulings that he doesn't agree with Chevron and that somebody, please somebody, bring a successful challenge that offers a better alternative. Antonin Scalia was, was joined by Clarice Thomas, who would repeatedly say, let's do it ourselves. But here is what's so important. Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh, two of Donald Trump's picks for the Supreme Court, are some of the loudest advocates for getting rid of Chevron that there are. Brett Kavanaugh, as a federal judge, made it a personal life goal of undermining Chevron at every turn. What would overturning, overruling Chevron do? It means that a federal bureaucracy that falls under the executive branch can no longer just interpret a rule as they see fit. She uh, uh, the West Virginia versus EPA, if it does, in fact, overturn Chevron, would mean that instead of a bureaucracy saying, well, this is the rule that we're going by based on such and such congressional law because the congressional law is too vague, Congress has to go and actually clarify the law. They actually have to go in and set the limits on a particular law and a particular rule for that, bureauc that bureaucracy. Because the Supreme Court will 
if they do this, will state that no, these bureaucracies are part of the executive branch and you cannot legislate from the executive branch. You can only uphold legislation that actual rules and laws are to be written by the legislature and then upheld by the executive branch. Chevron undermines that particular check and balance in the constitutional system. So the EPA cannot claim to uh, cannot cannot claim a law from before the the EPA the, the the particular court battle here is the EPA using the Clean Air Act, which was passed before climate change in its current inception was around. The EPA cannot use that to restrict carbon emissions in any particular way. And West Virginia and some uh, coal I, I think it was some coal companies some some coal mining companies filed a lawsuit and said the EPA can't do this. But the EPA was using an old law that it, that in no way addressed what they were actually trying to do, but they claimed that because the, the law was vague, that is why they could do it. That, that's why they could do it. And the Supreme Court is very likely going to say, well, no, you can't. You cannot legislate from the executive branch. You can maintain legislation. You can uphold legislation, but you cannot write your own rules. Congress has to uh, Congress has to set the parameters of your regulation of your rule before you can take it. You can't just interpret it however you want. And the left is upset. The left has been lamenting this this entire time. The left really wants the executive branch to be able to govern your life without needing Congress because Congress, as you know, is using the corrupt and unfair Senate which is based on equal representation in all states, despite the fact that the population distribution in all 50 states isn't fair, isn't the same. So clearly the Senate is, uh, is obsolete and should be gotten rid of. That's the left's argument. Because they cannot win in congressional and Senate races, they cannot get the numbers they need to do what the, to legislate what they want. They want to use the executive branch. They want to use the pen and the phone. They want to use these bureaucracies to enforce a way of life on American citizens. And in West Virginia versus EPA, the Supreme Court will say, no, you can't do that. To legislate, the legislative branch has to do it. And that will actually impact all of our lives way more than the Dobbs decision did. Don't get me wrong. The Dobbs decision is a great decision. But this one will have a greater impact on yours and my daily life. And that's why it is probably the most important case to actually be decided this term. Again, Dobbs is great. Bruin was great. The religious liberty cases were great. But, but, this one will have the greatest impact on our lives, and it will be one of the strongest uh, reinforcements of the checks and balances system that, is, that was created by the Constitution. 232-1542, if you want to call in, be part of the conversation. Caller, how are you? Oh, wait, no, hang on. Now, now, caller, caller, you there? Caller? There we go. Caller, you there? Yes. Hey, sorry about that. Oh, fine. This is Lee. Um, man, I, I too, am pretty excited about as hopefully the case comes out tomorrow because <clears throat> what will what will probably affect me. Well, the greatest thing that I see is it's going to stop the BATF mm -hmm. from 
making these very inconsistent yes. interpretations of firearm laws. I mean, they have, you know, they have their interpretations of things change from uh, from month to month sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day they interpret a law, interpret the, um, the firearm laws to ban one thing that was the that was totally legal, you know, weeks ago. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you find out you own something that's now banned when you bought it legally. And then they'll change their mind again months later and say, no, uh, we've changed our mind. It's legal. It's legal now, you know. And then by that point, you've already maybe some people have already gotten rid of what was illegal. Exactly. It's insane. These people are nuts. This and you know the I, I got to get my buddy Stephen Gutowski at the Reload to to come on and talk about this issue because he's followed a lot of the ATF regulations and rulemaking and all that and there's been a lot of controversy surrounding those because the ATF wants to make all of these different rules changes and of course it will blacklist a bunch of stuff that has been legal for decades for arbitrary reasons and because they want to try to backdoor gun control as best they can and so you're right this case West Virginia versus EPA could very well have a ma- deal a major major blow to the ATF's ability to do that Lee great call thank you very much for calling all right we've got another call on the line we've got uh we've got Warren Warren how are you today hey Joe you know it's amazing it is People don't realize what's taking place, but they basically, it's a civil war against the good versus the evil. These people are trying to take over. They're letting a proxy army come in the back door while they allow the Taliban to come in the front door. And then they're pushing all this white racism while they're trying to take away our guns. The last caller on Dan Bongino today was brilliant. I wish they would play it a couple of more times, but people need to wake up and realize what's taking place here. And the puppet masters is Barack Obama and Joe Biden, and they think they're in the driver's seat for the elitist, but they don't realize that they're creating their own hell, Joe. You know, it's, I think one of the things that you're I, – I love the phrase you use, proxy army. That is a, a big part of what we're what we're seeing from the bureaucratic state. Now, Congress for decades has been absolutely cowardly on this and has handed off more and more of its power to the executive branch because they don't actually want to deal with these issues because they understand how unpopular some of the issues are, how much they can't actually win on the issues. They can't they don't want to come to a bipartisan consensus and come to a decent decision. They just want to defer as much of the power off as possible. So the bureaucratic state grows and grows and grows and the bureaucratic state all they do, they do two things. One, they write whatever rules they can because they find something that they, they want to get a paycheck. They, they want to keep their paycheck, so they want to write another rule. But two, they actually want to write rules that make them do as little work as possible. So they, the more that they can write rules and create these arbitrary rules and laws, the more they're fighting against yours and my rights and the less work that government, the less actual work that accomplishes anything the government actually has to do. There is a proxy army in the bureaucracy that is slowly just draining continuously the power from the legislative branch. And the result is the, the chaotic system that we have today. Warren, thank you very much for the call. We've got Renee on the line. Renee, how are you? Yeah, my, my opinion about this abortion stuff, uh, uh, most people are narrow-minded about history. They don't learn nothing about it. Then we have sort of a world war about abortion, World War II about genetic discrimination. Then we have a, then we have a war about that, the greatest generation, and then we had a Cold War so the Russians wouldn't do what they want with the minorities of the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know what? 
One of the things that I, I think a lot of people tend to try to overlook, especially on the left, is the actual racism un, uh, that was that underpinned a lot of what Planned Parenthood and its founder, Margaret Sanger, was actually. They were, they were pushing for eugenics. They were pushing for abortion because it would actually uh, deter the growth of the black population in the United States. A lot of people don't remember that it, uh, uh, abortion was a tool of eugenicists and they wanted race control that way. And the movement has just grown from that. Now, I'm not saying everybody who supports abortion supports that now, but they largely ignore the history behind it. And of course, these are the same people that want to punish the rest of society because of the slavery uh, because of the slavery issue that the that the country was founded with. The country was founded with the system of slavery in place. They want to punish us for that. They want to ignore that their own side utilized abortion as a tool for uh, for eugenics. Uh, Renee, thank you very much for the call. We've got another call before we go to the break. Garland, Garland, how are you? Um, okay, how you doing? Doing pretty good. Yeah, I, I want to know. I just, I just have one question. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the Chevron decision, mm-hmm. Uh, how would that impact impact the huge uh, bureaucracy with the, that is climate change? Well, that's that's specifically what this is going over. So the West Virginia versus EPA case uh, is specifically in reference to the EPA using a very old law. The, uh, I think it was the Clean Air Act that was actually actually the Clean Air Act was passed before the term climate change was even passed, before people were worried about global warming, it was actually passed when everybody was worried about the big next big threat being global cooling. And so they passed the Clean Air Act trying to stop that. But the current definition of climate change and global warming exists. It was created after this Clean Air Act. But the EPA, in wanting to, uh, in, in being used by the Democrats and Democratic administrations to fight carbon emissions... The EPA interpreted this this purposefully vague law so that they could write rules as they see fit. And finally, there are enough groups and enough legal scholars out there saying, no, Chevron was a stupid decision. It, is, it doesn't make any sense. We need a new means of interpreting this and what is likely going to happen because of the conservative majority on the court and because of what the progressive judges on the court have written in the past you're likely to see the Supreme Court say, absolutely not. The federal bureaucracies, which are part of the executive, we interpret them as being part of the executive branch because they are hired and fired at the, at the, uh, at the pleasure of the presidency. Those are executive branch. The executive branch, by order of the Constitution, cannot write and pass legislation. They can only uphold it. So in order for the EPA to translate some new law, it has to go or make some new rule. It has to be clearly stated in a law passed by Congress that they can do that, which means Congress is actually going to have to take more responsibility. And because of deadlock in Congress, a lot of these EPA rules, a lot of these climate change based rules can't happen. So like 2030 and 2050 and the Build Back Better is going to directly affect it. They have to re- they have to rewrite Build Back Better to be very specific. Build Back Better, the plan right now is so vague because they want the EPA to do whatever they can, whatever the flavor of the moment on climate change is. They want the EPA to adjust on that. Kind of like uh, Lee, the caller earlier, was saying with the ATF, how whatever the flavor of the moment for gun control is, that's how they would interpret a law. Now, specifically, they would have to write a Build Back Better that specifically says what the EPA can and cannot do. 
And that is what's driving the liberals so nuts right now. Garland, thank you very much. We do have to take a break. When we come back, more of your calls and some more of the headlines of the day here on The Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Again, big news day here at News Talk KPL 965. Uh, This is Joe Cunningham here on The Joe Cunningham Show. We started out the show with the breaking news. The Supreme Court has uh, put a stay on the uh, the court order from Judge Shelley Dick, uh, who had ordered that uh, Louisiana redraw its congressional maps. The court has put a stay on that order pending uh, their decision on the elections case out of Alabama. So the stay means that the current Louisiana congressional maps will stay in place at least through the 2020 midterms. It could change. But it, it seems very doubtful. And again, as I said at the beginning of the show, when, when Moon had joined me, and again, thanks to Moon for joining me for that, uh, everybody expected this would be the end result, that whatever a federal judge that they shopped the case around to would order at the Fifth Circuit or at the Supreme Court, Louisiana's, uh, Louisiana's maps would be upheld at least through the midterms. It is far too close to the midterms. Everybody's going to have to start... Uh, filing and start running, start their campaigns. And it is simply too late right now to uh, to try to figure out what the new boundaries are when you're trying to campaign. The other news for today, obviously talked about the, uh, the EPA case, which will drop tomorrow. That is one that we're going to continue to uh, look out, look out for. And we'll bring that to you. The, uh, the Supreme Court's ruling on the congressional maps. We're going to have that story up on KPL 965 here shortly. Uh, the other big news, national news, you heard on the uh, you heard on Bongino, you've heard in the news reports today. Um, the January 6th committee had a surprise hearing today where they've dropped some more on that. We may talk a little bit about that on offsides when I join with Shannon here shortly. But the last big news, the last major headline of the day, and I, I don't like to talk about this subject because it has been the... It has been just a lightning rod for conspiracy theory, but Jelaine Maxwell, Jelaine Maxwell was sentenced to 20 years in prison. And that is, again, a big deal. She was sentenced in the Jeffrey Epstein sexual abuse case. The stories that have come out of this case have been horrific. And I wanted to mention it briefly today because I haven't talked about it on the air. A lot of the Jeffrey Epstein stuff actually came out before I you know, had a show with y'all. Uh, but what we've learned in the Epstein case, what we've learned in the, in the stories that have come out, is something that we've all known. Money and connections and power allow a lot of people in the United States to get away with a lot. We will never know probably the full depth of depravity, not only of Jeffrey Epstein, not only what Jelaine Maxwell uh, supported, what, what she enabled for Epstein, but consider Epstein as a, rich philanthropist and all the organizations and all the endowments he was tied to and all the all the work he did to maintain his good name and his upstanding status with these organizations so that he could get away with the horrific stuff that he did in the background 
And he does, or he did, have connections with a lot of famous and powerful people in politics and in pop culture. And yes, he had a free, he had a, he had a friendship or an acquaintance at least with Bill Clinton. He had one with Donald Trump. He had one with a lot of politicians. He had them with a lot of celebrities. And yet, and yet, no one is really going after any of those people. No one is ever going to go to the colleges and universities that he gave a ton of money to and ask them questions. Nobody's going to ask those questions, and those groups are not going to give the money back. They're not going to say a word. They do not want to be implicated in Jeffrey Epstein's sins. And they're allowed to get away with that. Because even still, even in the, in, in the post-Me Too era, in this era where we want the ivory tower to stop being so separate from the rest of society, we still have these particular groups and these particular organizations that, that don't have, there's no accountability for what they're allowed to get away with. And until we can finally get to that point, we will continue to have monsters like Jeffrey Epstein in society. He's not the only one. There are others out there. There are others that will prey on young children. There are others that will use their money for all sorts of sin and depravity. And not all of them will be brought to justice. The sentencing of Jelaine Maxwell is a good start. But there's lots of information that we really need and nobody's ever going to truly get. All right, 23 hours until the next uh, episode of the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5. KPL. in the meantime, join me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Check out the podcast version on Apple and Spotify. And stick around because in the next few minutes, I'll be joining Shannon Wilkerson on Offsides once again. Glad to do it and glad to talk to you guys today and tomorrow here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5. KPL.